Welcome to the Calgary Sessions. This is episode number 97. Um, I'm your host, Jeff Humphreys. Today's guest, I can't wait to get into this. Um, I've been, we connected, I don't know, probably over a year ago, I'm guessing. I at, think so. At least. Um, she's an amazing artist. I don't know how she's going to describe herself or explain her style, but it, anyways, I, I love it. Like, the, it all just makes a lot of sense to me. So please go ahead and name and who you are. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. My name is Billy Ray Busby, and I am a visual artist. I specialize in abstract landscape paintings. I use a hard edge painting technique with lots of masking tape and acrylic paint, and I um, put together creative ideas to see our surroundings. So lots of color, lots of shape, linear, and um, that's kind of my focus for my art practice. I also am a mom. I have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old, so in the teenager preteen time. And I also have a past career um, for 20 years in sports marketing and communications um, and a mental health advocate. Crazy. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. It's funny, right? Because when you, when you connect with somebody online, you see, you, know, you see whatever version of their life that they want to talk about, right? Exactly. So it's I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You just you see a, a segment of it. Yes. And for me, seeing all the, the art that you create, it's like I love straight lines. And so obviously your stuff is just like blows my mind because just it looks it looks so cool. And for I, th- I thought about this every time you post something, I'm like, damn, that's so cool. And when I was growing up, like I can't draw. You know, I'm a creative person, but I don't have that skill set. But I always found when I was like doodling, it was always straight edges. Really? Yeah, it was always like like just corners or squares, everything had, was very straight and linear. Okay. So when I saw your stuff, I was like, oh shit, this is, you can be really good at drawing using like those kind of ideas. Exactly. The, so, the hard edge sort of look is for sure an aesthetic and, mm-hmm. and something that I think a lot of people appeal to, whether it's stripes or shapes or mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you've seen a few of these. Yes. So you kind of know what's about to go down. Um, yeah, so take it back as far as you, you want to go. You know, good. you've seen different examples of where people go. So take it wherever you want to go, and you and I, you and I will have a cool conversation. Just um, yeah, you know, I get to learn about where you came from and what you're up to. Good. Well, I was born in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. So Yorkton, if anybody doesn't know, is um, kind of prairie land near the Manitoba border. And I was born and raised there, um, mid '70s. Again, mm. I don't mind sharing my age. Mm. I think it helps with talking about the path that well, I've taken. I agree. So. I, I'm always dropping what you're on board. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm always yeah. in 77, 77. So. Yeah, exactly. I think we're about the same age. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, so 1975 I was born. And yeah. um, I had a bit of a precarious start, I guess you could say. My mom had a brain aneurysm when... Um, she didn't know why she was pregnant at the time. Mm. So she had brain surgery. And after she recovered, they said, oh, and you're pregnant. <laughs> and they, um, the doctors encouraged her to maybe not go through with the pregnancy. And she continued, obviously, and mm. had some other health issues along the way. So I was born about a month early mm-hmm. in the incubator the whole time. And um, thankfully, majority of my health issues aren't too bad other than, you know, some asthma, some health things, mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, but it was one of those sort of, I became a bit of a, um, 
the family was very happy mm. that I was there because mm. it was a bit of a surprise. So yeah. I have two um, siblings, my brother and sister, they're from a previous marriage, so yeah. they're a little bit older than me. And growing up in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, I kind of grew up as an only child because they were older. They mm -hmm. were out of the house by the time I was about five. And I learned a lot to keep myself busy. Mm. Um, drawing, painting, I had, my parents had like a desk in the living room cool. that was like, full of glitter and erasers and rulers and pencil crayons and I kind of was always doing things and my mom was she was a homemaker for much of the time she was a bookkeeper for a little while but mm -hmm. she always was doing something like she mm -hmm. had crochet she was cross-stitching like my mom was always had something in her hands that mm -hmm. she was she was working on so very crafty very artsy that way and my dad was a serial entrepreneur. He owned a tire shop with um, another partner in mm. Yorkton. And over his career, he um, he actually went to SAIT back in the 50s. And he um, had the tire shop. He also had a couple other kind of things along the way. He was a realtor at the last part before he retired. Mm. And he even came out to Calgary. I don't know how old dad would have been, but he was probably in his 50s or maybe 60, actually probably in his 60s, and he came out to Calgary and learned to be an auctioneer. So him yeah. and mom would host antique auction sales in Yorkton cool. too. So so lots of, um, he, I was out delivering real estate calendars with my dad and you know, like lots of entrepreneurship around me all the time. And, mm. and dad knew everyone in the city. He mm. could remember, you know, where they lived, what their last name was, mm -hmm. you know, who their cousin was, that kind of thing. <laughs> so <all> of <laughs> so I always kind of grew up around my mom busy doing fun, crafty things mm -hmm. and and my dad knowing um, always with cool business ideas yep. and, and ways to promote himself. Mm -hmm. That's, a, that's so. a very interesting combination. Yeah. Obviously it makes sense for if you pick those up just like subconsciously, these skill sets for I think so. I think because it's it's just being around them all the time, and it just felt natural. And you know, dad, dad never. You know, he he was just a business owner, and he had that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. And and mom was just always creative. She never used to say she was artsy. Mm. Like she was always super humble and really kind of didn't like the spotlight for anything. So she was just she'd do it for fun. Um, she her my aunt her sister was also very artistic and she had a sign company that she would actually paint things by hand like oh. that was a while ago mm -hmm. and she used to be back in like the 50s she used to um do commercials for the tv station there but like they would draw them paint them mm -hmm. you know like way yep. back then so so there was a lot of kind of artistic ideas in our family but i wouldn't say like my mom was a painter or anything like that she just mm. was she liked doing lots of crafty things quilting yep. you name it cool um, so what'd your like school childhood look like? You know, as you, were you always like super artsy? Like what, yeah, what, what were you, what were you up to back then? I was artsy as a bit of a nerd, Jeff. Um, mm. I liked school, had lots of friends, um, lots of friends in kind of different pockets. Mm -hmm. So I had the farm friends. I had, um, my city friends. I had my lake friends cause I, we had a lake at, um, a cabin at a lake just about half an hour from Yorkton. Which one? Um, a good spirit lake. Okay, cool. So we spent most of our summers there. So mm -hmm. I had lots of kind of different friends for, for um, to kind of fill, make me whole. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, I was a bit of a nerd. And high school, I did take all the art classes. I, I graduated 
kind of, I think, second in my class. Oh, you were like... Yeah, I was like, yeah. But I also took courses that were good to my talents. Like I took language mm. arts and I liked public speaking. So I mm. did well in presentations. Yeah. I liked writing. Um, the art class, of course, I did really quite well. Mm. So um, I took classes that you would kind of excel at yeah. anyway. Um, I didn't have the calculus or <laughs> things that maybe weren't my mm -hmm. area. So that did help. But I liked school. I, I liked most of my teachers, I found that um, I enjoyed it. And I don't remember doing tons of homework though, mm. but I, I just enjoyed it. And during those years too, I, I um, people, like I kind of got acclaim for my art. It's mm. a small, Yorkton's about 18,000 people. That population might be different now, yep. but I had won a contest in grade 12 for, it was called the Canada Poster Challenge. And they were, having youth submit designs for a potential poster on Canada Day. Mm. And I won for Alberta. And it was actually very cool because it was grade 12. And they had this big assembly where they, people from provincial government came and did this big presentation with me. Mm. And I felt really embarrassed because the hockey team, the boys hockey team had just won the Air Canada Cup, Annoying. which was like a big deal. Yeah. And my part of the presentation was bigger than that. And I was so embarrassed because <laughs> that was like the biggest deal in the city at yeah. the time that the hockey team had won. So there, and then I, on graduation, um, I was graduating from high school and we had the post-graduation party. It was at a Quonset. Again, mm -hmm. I'm from yeah, yeah. farmland yeah, area. Yeah. And I had to leave early because mom and dad and I were flying from Regina, which is a two-hour drive, um, to Ottawa. And we were special guests along with the other winners across the, the provinces and territories. So all youth, um, mm. I think under 21 or so. Yeah. And we got to go to a special special ceremony at, at the Chateau Laurier. Cool. And the next day was Canada Day. And we were on Parliament Hill, you know, where they do the noon hour mm. session. Mm. Um, the, we were front row with Prime Minister Kim Campbell. Cool. That's when she was she mm. was there during the time, and she got to we got to meet her. So I always say I'm like, yeah, I kind of skipped part of my grad celebrations to be able to go meet the Prime Minister. Which like, so, who gets to say yeah. that? So it, it was it was very fun because they were all other talented artists that were young, and it was a really I appreciated that they also had us front row because it just showed under her government how popular the yeah. arts were and how important they were. Um, I actually did win the next year as well. And it was a different prime minister in power, Crutchy, and we were in the back. <laughs> so it was <laughs> so just, a, yeah, we were still there, yeah, which yeah. was great. And the, they still treated us really well. And, mm. and we had opportunities to, to meet a bunch of Olympians. And, cool. but it was, it was just, a, it was so, it was a, in my young age, an interesting way to see how the government works and mm. where they value the arts and, um, and youth too. Totally. What is it um, to win those awards at a young age? Like that's just who knows how many submissions they had. I'm sure it's lots, and like to win it back to back years. Did you did you know you were that talented? Was, um, it, was it very natural, or were you just like doing things that you enjoyed? I just did things that I enjoyed, and I was drawing. That was a big focus. I, I am a painter now, um, but back then I was into realist drawing, and I it, again, it was just something that I did. And and mm. with me kind of growing up by myself, I had I had lots of friends, but I I enjoyed spending time by myself, and mm. so I would use that time by drawing or making crafty things or. Um, you know, mom and I would always go to the art sales and 
the craft sales and stuff. So it was just kind of something that was something I did. Mm. Um, I don't think I even asked my friends if they drew or not. Like I just, it was something that I, I always kind of enjoy doing. And, mm. and I, I feel really lucky that I had some really great mentors along the way. Yeah. My junior high teacher, um, Sandy McCall, she's passed away since, but she really could kind of see that I liked color and, and she was really promoted things. I was about grade eight. I remember mm. that very clearly. And then in high school, um, Diane Cook was my, my art teacher and she really, really kind of embraced mm. me and, and she was, she was equal with all the students, but yep. she could kind of see that I had a little bit of an extra interest in drawing. Yep. So she taught me how to use pencil crayon and all these other things. And, um, we just recently reconnected on Facebook and, awesome. and it's very cool that, um, but she, for sure, I had great teachers along the way mm-hmm. who kind of encouraged it, but didn't make a big deal about it. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, Oh, look what Billy Ray's doing. It was look what all these students are doing. And we have a great art program here. There's in Yorkton, there's a lot of artists who have come through there that um, mm. that have done great things, and and I'd say those two were were really helpful. Not just having my mom around. Yep. Um, now that you've reconnected with that teacher, does she know how you feel about her? And and you know, like, have you shared this with her? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Yes. I've told her how important it is, and I was interviewed by the Yorkton paper last year and mentioned that in there too. So mm. so I hope she knows really that cool. it's it was important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what happens after high school? Where are you at? Um, so Besides this winning is, all these awards is, and flying to be <laughs> prime ministers. Yeah, but this is where I'm going to throw you completely off. So during, Which is awesome. Yeah, during high school, I junior high and high school, I was also really into sports and not in a like super athletic way. I'm pretty clumsy and I'm not super athletic, but I've always loved sports. Like again, mom and dad, I'd be watching the Olympics with them or mm. like the Saturday worldwide sports, you know, yeah, like all yeah, those yeah. shows. Like yeah, I, yeah. I loved being, I loved going to the hockey games. Like I, I used to teach my girlfriends about hockey. We would go to the, like, I, we didn't have women's leagues then. Mm. I started a women's league in um, grade 12 awesome. where we put together and we all were horrible. Like mm-hmm. the, the one goaltender, we would borrow the guys' stuff, like we, because none of us had any. Like most of them had figure skates, mm-hmm. so we borrow the guys' stuff. There was the girl on my team. We even did a draft, like we did the whole no thing. Way. And um, again, great teacher that helped us with this. And the girl that was on my team, she couldn't. The goaltending equipment was so big on her. We had to like push her out to the net, <laughs> but it was fun. And we had the a bunch of the guys. We had um, they were supportive. Like it was a, a fun time. So I've always been involved in that kind of side of it. Do you think um, the Yorkton team that won that was the midget team? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Air Canada Cup. Air Canada Cup. Yeah. yeah. Um, growing, growing up in a smaller town, yeah. the sports scene is like that's all you. There's that's all there is to do. Yeah. You either so, go to the hockey games yeah. or you. Like watch movies at home or yeah. something. So yeah. It's, so you were around it at such a like intimate level to go and like create this totally experience. It was kind of like well, exactly. Kind of have to. Well, and there wasn't like I wasn't an overscheduled kid. You know, mm. like now even my kids they're not in tons of things, but you know where kids are in everything now. Mm. Um, I was I played the organ like that was about it. So um, some of my friends were in softball, but there wasn't a lot of organized sport there. Mm. You played in gym class yeah. or you played kind of on your own. So you kind of had to make up your own things. So I, I would play, I was never a great skater. I was never a great hockey player, but I loved going out to the backyard rink. Mm. So 
sport was always something I enjoyed. And I think um, I can see a lot of parallels with sport and art now. Yeah. But at the time, that was just kind of something I liked. And so when I graduated, everyone's like, oh, Billy, Billy Ray's going off to art school. And I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was my rebellion um, to say to everyone, no, I'm not going mm -hmm. to. And I think part of it is I didn't know any artists aside from my art teachers. Yeah. I didn't know that many artists. Like, uh, kind of like professional yeah, people making a living. Exactly. Mm. So um, I, because I loved sport and I had some really great experiences, um, part of the drawing they used to do, I used to draw pictures of hockey players too, which is super embarrassing. I'm going to jump over that pretty quick. <laughs> but I was able to make some contacts with Hockey Canada and cool. a few other cool things where I learned that the administration side of working in sports was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And again, that draft that we did, like yep. there's lots of cool things. So first year, um, I told mom and dad I wanted to be NHL commissioner. Ooh, yeah, wow. exactly. Again, big ambitions that um, I thought going into economics might be a good step. Economics, I'm no Todd Hirsch. <laughs> 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 economics for my first year um, was not great. I It was through University of Saskatchewan and they actually had first year you could take in Yorkton. They oh, had yeah. teachers that came in and did university credit courses mm. um, through Yorkton. And I took economics, took art classes along the way still. And Just economics quietly? Was, yeah, yeah. They were part of my electives. Mm -hmm. um, the art class was awesome. Yeah. The economics was not thrilling enough mm -hmm. for me. And when I did move to Saskatoon the next year, I actually went into kinesiology, into phys ed, because huh. they had a sport management program. Hmm. So still not focusing on art. Um, do, you, do you think yeah. it was a straight up rebellion? Like, those I, are. I think so. I think because in the way that I knew what I liked, like mm. I knew that I wanted to maybe try working in some sort of sports thing. Yep. I liked that side of it. And really, I wasn't convinced that art was something that I could do for a living. Yep. And I had been making money. Like, even as a probably 18-year-old, people were paying me to draw portraits. Cool. But I was like, I don't even know who this person is. And I found it really not rewarding mm. to, you know, I was like, I got $100 to draw a portrait. Like, that's exciting. Yep. But I wasn't, it just didn't. I didn't have a voice, yep. Jeff. That's probably the best way to say yep. it. I didn't have anything that I wanted to draw or paint. And so mm. going into sport seemed like it was going to be something that appealed to me. Yep. And um, my dad wanted to be, me to be a business lawyer. And my mom was fine with whatever I wanted to do. So I was like, hey, well, how about I try this? And I loved it. Mm. I first year Saskatoon, I lived in residence and I still took art classes because those were the electives I could take. So mm -hmm. I took painting and um, still kind of focused on making sure that. And I found having the art classes was super important for my balance. Mm -hmm. It kept me grounded. It was kind of a release yep. for anything. Um, but I took amazing classes like sports sociology mm -hmm. and I could go into this stream of sport management where the goal was that you would work for yep. a sports organization very small people, um, small group of people in it. We took commerce classes. So we actually did take human resources and management and focused on that. Um, it was a really neat program. It doesn't exist anymore, um, mm. but I loved it because it was hitting that kind of appeal. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of entrepreneurship that needs to also happen in working in sport, usually yeah. working with a not-for-profit or something like that. So of course I 
pick the probably most low paying <laughs> areas to go in art and sport, but that's okay. <laughs> the cool jobs. Yeah. Um, but along there, I was enjoying a lot. I worked for the summer camps. I did summer camps in your, back in Yorkton in the summer mm-hmm. and just really love that organizing and kind of how people come together through sport. And through those times though, I was still taking art classes and when I went to go speak to a guidance counselor, they said, if you stay an extra year and a half, take some summer class and year, you can actually get your bachelor of art as well too in studio art. So I did, I was able to combine both and my final, um, one of my projects in art was actually a sociology sport drawing that I had done oh. about stereotypes in sports. So it kind of combined mm-hmm. together yeah. and kind of like my friends I had in junior high and high school, they were all over. So I had my sporty jock friends mm-hmm. and then my art friends about as opposite on campus mm-hmm. <laughs> as you can possibly get. And it just felt like me. Like it yeah. felt like both, I felt comfortable in both areas and having both each of those friends, everybody thought I was weird. Mm. Like I was told I was weird by having both of those kind of groups yeah. in my life. But I, I found it really, really whole. Mm. That's a, those, it's a very, um, those are two distinct different groups. And it's rare to cross over, so it kind of makes a little sense. Maybe not weird, but it's just well, unique. It is unique, but I, I think over the years I've been able to kind of connect the dots. So mm-hmm. a couple things that I think one of the like actual real sort of things about sport and art that, that an athlete or an artist can connect is that, that flow that you get. Mm. Um, you have to have discipline. You have to keep doing it. You know, like you, mm-hmm. somebody can say, oh, I can't draw at all. Well, it's practice, a lot of it. Some people do have talent, yep. but mixing colors, drawing, all of that is practice. Just mm-hmm. like it's muscle memory. It's just like that athlete who, you know, whether it's, um, I just watched the Beckham documentary, oh, whether yeah. it's, you know, Beckham outside doing, um, you know, different types of kicks for yep. Gretzky growing up and, and being on the ice every day. It's the mm. same sort of thing. Yep. And then you have that peak flow that you can get, that peak performance. So that's a simple thing that I've noticed that both have, that mm-hmm. people maybe don't connect. Yep. And then the biggest for me, I think, is that what I love about sport is the storytelling mm. and that you don't know what's going to happen. And I feel the same way with art, with my painting, is I don't really know how it's going to end up. Mm-hmm. And then there's a moment when it just works. Yep. And sometimes it doesn't work and same thing with sport you don't really know Mm -hmm. and it's those moments that you're going for where things just happen so that's how I kind of see they're actually a lot more similar for me in in ways that I didn't back then really understand makes a lot of sense because as a as an athlete chasing a dream there's no like do this you get that totally exact same thing as an artist you can't just say like well if I do these seven things then I'm going to get to this end goal like there is no path yeah it's timing skill luck totally and there's also some artists that do well just same as some athletes and then there's some that just do it because they enjoy it you know whether you're looking at the beer league hockey guy Mm -hmm. or hockey girl or um the one that is uh the person who just paints for fun on Sundays, yeah. you know, yeah. there's so many different mm-hmm. levels that you can go at too. Amazing. Um, so where the, so you graduated with? Yeah, two, two so degrees. two degrees. And then I, again, another loop, I stayed in Saskatoon and I had the goal to come out to Calgary. 
uh, um, to work for one of the sports organizations because this was a hub out here. Mm-hmm. And um, but I, I got a job right away. Yeah. Um, working for the campus radio station. Actually, no, it was the community of radio station <laughs> in Saskatoon. Again, throwing it totally off. Mm-hmm. And I was doing advertising sales for them. Hmm. And that was a really fun job. Very small space. Yep. It was CFCR was the name of the radio station. Mm-hmm. They still exist. Total, like, when you talk about if people thought I was weird, <laughs> there were some interesting characters that mm-hmm. were hosts on that station. Yep. But it was a good chance for me to understand sales. Mm. Um, good chance for me to stay around Saskatoon for a little bit longer and kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Yep. And my boyfriend, um, who is my ex-husband now, but my boyfriend at the time, he wanted to go to Calgary to go to Satan. He was looking at getting a program he got in the journalism program. Yeah. So it was kind of gave us a timeline to figure out what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then I moved here, um, got a job with a really cool publication that you will remember, Fast Forward Arts right. and Entertainment Magazine. Mm-hmm. So what anybody, is this? this is 1999. Okay. So graduated in 98, yeah. stayed at the radio station in Saskatoon for a year. It's about five years in Saskatoon. Then moved out here. That was my first job. My, I'm so I worked at Fast Forward in the advertising sales department for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. I'm still really close friends with almost all of them. Like I saw three of them last week. Really? So they're the people that I met there were great, and it was a great way to get mm-hmm. to know the city. It was so I grew up in working nightclubs, and okay. so Fast Forward was. Obviously, the thing, right? Yeah, it was so, a weekly publication yeah. told you what to do. Mm-hmm. And literally, <laughs> this is before everything. And, yeah. and if you got listed and fast forward, there was a strong possibility that your night was going to be busy or whatever it was. As long as you were in that that piece, then good things would happen. But that was like a the 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 pulse of the city in that magazine. Absolutely, and mm-hmm. I think for me moving here, it was fantastic in a couple ways because Saskatoon at the time was. Um, was a great university city. Yep. Um, it's a lot hipper and way cooler now than mm-hmm. it was back then. But, um, you know, kind of like status quo there would be the best way to put it. You know, yep. lots of like, oh, the government <laughs> kind of, mm-hmm. you know, so not an entrepreneurial spirit like here. Yep. So when I first moved here and it, working in ad sales where I'm dealing with small business owners, my mind was blown at this entrepreneurial spirit here mm-hmm. and how people wanted to support restaurants and support things that weren't chains and mm-hmm. the mall and mm-hmm. and it was so fun like I, I always joke that um, Victor Choi who owns the Concord group where one of the reasons we I lived behind the Mercury for and we in our did? office yeah and our office was a block away that was where Megatunes used to be over mm-hmm. on 17th Avenue yeah, yeah, so yeah. we yeah we spent a lot of our Disposable income. <laughs> so yeah. that's awesome. Bring up the Merc. So I DJed at the Mercury. That Did was, you? That, that was my first, my first, like out of my basement DJ gig was a weekly Wednesday nights at the original Mercury on 17th. What years would that have been? So it would have been like 2000, in between like 2002 and 2004. Okay. We still would have been going like, there then. It was like in the, in the height of the Mercury. Amazing. And, and Victor Choi, you bring up his name. We're obviously sitting, sitting in his facility, restaurant, building, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. So it's hilarious that you come from out of town and you get, you work for this magazine, this publication, and you get thrown into like the heart of Calgary. 
it was the best way I got to learn locations of a city because yeah. I was driving cool around. Ones, yeah, though. all the cool ones. Mm-hmm. Got to know where things were at. I got yep. to know who who was who. Um, and just great friends, though, that mm-hmm. I worked with in, in both the advertising and editorial side. And, yep. and you know, even some of the freelancers, like I run into them and it feels like, like that's 24 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And I... I'm lucky that that was a group that I got to come here with. Like I yep. kind of felt spoiled because yeah, I knew crazy. I knew the fun places to go to and mm-hmm. I was still in my early 20s, so that was something that was of interest for sure. of for my social life yep. and yeah, it was it was a loved 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 working for mm-hmm. Fast Forward magazine. That was about I think two and a half years, yep. three years that I worked for them. Yep. And then I did have an op- there's only so long though that you can do that because after a while, it just becomes a lot of socializing. Yep. So I was lucky to get a, a position at the Calgary Soccer Center. Okay. Um, that is, I don't know, the name is different now, I think. I believe it's maybe like the Subway Soccer Center. Like the one on 52nd? Yeah, yeah on 52nd. Yep. It's an indoor soccer facility. Yep. It's North America's largest indoor soccer facility. And I was doing sponsorship and sales and membership. So very much into back to the sports management side. Yep. Um, enjoyed that too. Um, not for profit, got to kind of understand that side mm-hmm. of it. Was playing soccer at the time. So the fast forward crew, my cool. girlfriends there, we, we joined, a, we started a soccer team and we played soccer for, I think three years together, three mm-hmm. or four years together. And yep. I only quit cause I busted my knee, but um, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to see them often. Then after that, I moved on to the Calgary Roughnecks. Okay. It was the year about 2004 fall. It was the year after they won the championship. Mm-hmm. And I became director of ticket operations. And that was when it was still an entrepreneurial ownership yep. before the Flames bought them. Mm-hmm. And so very small office, very small crew. We did, even though I was in charge of tickets and 1,200 season ticket holders, we did everything, mm. like helping with the media events. We had to... One of my favorite stories is we had the championship trophy and then none, none of the players wanted to see it because I was superstitious. Yep. So we had it hidden in the back closet and we had to ship it back to the league, but we had no budget. Like we were resourceful. Like mm-hmm. imagine when the apprentice was cool and they would give you these projects that was yep. every day at the Roughnecks mm-hmm. and we had to ship back the trophy, but we didn't have a budget to use like a fancy courier company. So we were getting styrofoam and putting things in a box. And then we ran out of the styrofoam little balls. So we had to um, get paper and crumple it up. And that's how we shipped off the trophy back to the NHL or NLL office back in New York. So Mm. really fun group of people there too. Learned a lot about just how the inner workings of sport on every aspect of it. And loved, loved being part of that experience. Mm. Um, So much fun and, and, loved the players because they had regular jobs and then they would come in on the weekends and practice and play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the cheerleaders practiced more, Mm -hmm. the drill team, than the Mm -hmm. players actually would together. So I loved that aspect of it, of these, these gentlemen who had a life outside of it, but really a huge passion for lacrosse. So that was a great experience for a while. And then I moved on to state where I worked for the State Trojans for over 13 years. No way. Yeah. So that's my sports thing. In there, I didn't do much art. I was just going to ask yeah. you, like, where, where is it? Art was, there's a lot of socializing fast forward, lots of focus on 
kind of getting business going. Um, I worked a lot of weekends when I was at the soccer center and, mm-hmm. and with the Roughnecks. Yep. So I just kind of lost, I did crafty things, but I kind of lost what I wanted to say with art. Mm. And when I was at the Roughnecks, I started taking about 2004, 2005, I started taking classes at ACAD, Alberta College of Art and Design, but just those night classes, like Mm. the extended study, took some painting, um, mixed media, a few different things, and I met one of my mentors there. And his name is Christopher Willard. He is, or at least he has been the head of painting at... um, Alberta University of the Arts now, formerly ACAD. I know, I keep, I keep trying my best to say it right, so ACAD. You did good. Okay, and he was teaching extended study classes at the time. Mm. It was called Courage in Painting or Courage for Painting, yeah. and I had been drawing. Like, I had taken a painting course in university, but really drawing was my focus, mm. and it felt kind of dead. Like, I, I didn't have... Like a reason to do it or a direction yeah, or just it didn't it just I didn't have a reason and it didn't feel very exciting. I was interested in color, but I didn't know how to mix paints. Like I didn't understand any of that. Mm. So I started taking this class and it was the perfect fit for me. It was Wednesday nights. It was not a very like there wasn't a s- planned schedule of what we were gonna learn each week. We almost like a studio time where Chris would walk around and talk to each of us and really help us do the best at what we wanted to do. Mm. So if somebody wanted to paint flowers, he'd help them do the best freaking flowers that he possibly could. Mm. Somebody wanted to do, um, you know, painting of their dog, he'd help them. It didn't matter if that was his style or not. And then he would see what the class was interested in and he might like run down to the library and bring up a book about an artist Mm. and tell us. So it was very organic. What um, you, do you remember what you were painting? Yeah. Or what I was, was interesting to oh, you? Oh, I remember <laughs> I was doing an underpainting for like an interior design picture that I brought in. And Chris was also very outspoken and not everybody liked it, but I, it was what I needed. Mm. And I remember I was like putting like little bits of underpainting down. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm doing an underpainting. He's like, why? It's like, well, cause that's how you start off your painting. Like, I don't know what I was doing. And he's like, just put some paint down. What's the worst thing you're going to do? You're going to waste some paint. That's it. He's like, put some freaking paint down. And I was like, okay. And after that, it was like, really, why am I scared of paint? Like, why do I have to be cautious with this? And Mm. I think it's from drawing. You know, you have these little marks that you have to make. And I was like, painting, I can just like put color down and I can even go over it if I don't like it. Like, it was this whole new world. And, Mm. um... I've always had the kind of this aesthetic of liking stripes and lots of color. And so he noticed that when I was picking kind of different colors for the paintings I was doing. And he showed me hard edge painting. Didn't know it very well or seen it, but it didn't really know the history. So he kind of took me in and showed me different things about that. That was also his aesthetic too. No way. He had a history of doing a lot of hard edge painting. So he showed me how to use masking tape properly. He showed me the different techniques. And for about two years, that's all I did is Mm. stripes and lines. And I perfected this ability to do it. And one day Chris in class said to me, he's like, hey, Billy, why are you still doing these? Like, why are you still doing these stripes? Because it's a very rhetorical question of, I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, okay, just think about it. Um, okay. And I 
this is about 2006, 2007. So I've been taking this class for a couple of years. Yeah. And like religiously every Wednesday? Religiously every Wednesday. Yeah. Kept taking the same class because it wasn't structured. Like yeah. I wasn't learning. There's different people. Mm-hmm. So I was just always... You, you, you were the common denominator. Yeah, I was a common denominator. <laughs> and, and I just enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. I clicked with what how he was teaching. Lots of color mixing. So I really enjoyed it. And it's it's a interesting story because I was I, you know I kind of perfected this way of doing it but I just was doing colors and shapes and so when he asked me why am I still doing this I'm like I don't know but it opened that sort of thing to look around a little bit more and my um, my husband and I again he's my ex but my husband we were driving back to Yorkton um, several times over that year my mom was sick my mom had cancer and so we were doing the road trip and that's like a long road trip and I remember coming back from Yorkton and I was just passenger seat. You know, there's all the jokes (laughs) about it's not always the most exciting drive. And I was half asleep and I was looking outside and it was like that light bulb moment. Like I remember it exactly Mm -hmm. right now, Jeff, like this light bulb moment, this full clarity of just how in driving down the highway, how this like sprawl of the fields and the trees and the power lines and the clouds, how it just had these lines. Cause again, I was half sleepy. So you're kind of squinty and that was it. Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to try these lines and shapes now with landscape. So I went home, found some like crappy calendar that I had that had some like field picture in it, took it to class the next week and started painting it. And Chris came over and he's like, oh, what are you doing? And he almost fell over. He's like, that's it. Mm. I'm like, I know, this Mm. is it. And that has been, I've been painting abstract landscapes since about 2007 and still feel like there's more I can say. There's not very many of us doing this. There's lots of people who do landscape. There's lots of people who do abstract or hard edge, Mm -hmm. but only a small amount of us that are are mm-hmm. doing the combo together that um like i got a little goosebumps when okay. you said like when you when you had that moment of clarity yeah. what is that people can go a lifetime without finding that and do you were you actually looking for it or do you think you were just open to it you were just like i think i was open to it and i think if he wouldn't have asked me that question mm-hmm. the week before i wouldn't have i wasn't really you know actively i was with my mom being sick, I had my mind on other things. So it wasn't like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna look around and see what inspires me. Mm. It was not that at all. But I think the combination of nostalgia of driving home, um, growing up in that sort of landscape, like all these sort of connections, I don't, I honestly don't know. There's, um, There's a book called Big Magic that Elizabeth Gilbert wrote and she taught, she kind of personifies ideas mm. that ideas are out there and they go to different people and if you take it in if you're open to it then it stays with you yep. it's a little woo-woo I'll say no, no, a but little but I I think that happened to me where it's just kind of the right place mm-hmm. the right time it had meaning for me missing mom and you know hoping she was going to be okay all this kind of stuff this mm-hmm. sort of combo together and how it just sort of fit all in one but it was it was a like absolute light bulb moment and mm. um yeah I feel really lucky that I was able to experience that but mm. I was I think I was just open I was open to come into yep. yeah and being bored 
also was really important. Yeah, like just a quiet mind board. Quiet mind yeah. board, you know, looking outside the window. I don't even remember if there was music on, but just, just not, you know, there wasn't a DVD player in mm-hmm. front of me. There wasn't mm-hmm. a bunch of other things distracting yeah. me. I was just looking outside while, mm-hmm. while we were driving back. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so you figure it out. So what, what happens? So now you're, you're still painting Wednesdays. Yep, painting Wednesdays. Yep. And i um still working full time. Yep. So really, it's just kind of a side thing. But I dived right in. Yep. I got good canvases, um, got better paint, mm. got us um, made one of the spaces in our house into a studio, cool. like really, yep. really kind of jumped in. So I maybe didn't have a lot of time. But I was like, this is really something I want to focus on. Mm. Um, started like showing it right away. I was selling work right off the bat. Like it, cool. it just kind of all came together pretty quickly. Yep. And um, I took those classes. His wife actually ended up taking over the classes when he moved on to the higher position at, at ACAD. Mm-hmm. So I took from Laurel Smith. She was also a great mentor. She was probably nicer. So he pushed me yeah, where yeah. I needed yeah. to and she was more of the encouraging kind of person. Yep. And um, yeah, and then kind of went on my own, and I worked at SAIT, loving my job, working for the SAIT Trojans, doing marketing communications. For kind of the whole sport. For all, all the sports, awesome. yeah. So The sport piece is just like, yeah, it, it is a loop. It is a loop, isn't it? But it, it, can, it makes sense, like, you know, just being a small town surrounded by sport, and it's like a big driver of the community, and... Yeah, just it makes sense. It's just and it's it's creative and dynamic. Yeah. Like every yeah. day was different. And you like at say like September at Sate, you'd have all the teams starting up, and it'd be like chaos because mm. there's like all these teams, there's all these new athletes, and you're getting all these things. And then yeah. by December, there might be some playoffs for certain teams mm. or championships, and then other sports. Like I loved the kind of. Every day was different. Mm-hmm. You had no idea what to expect. Yeah. All of a sudden, you've got a star player. Then they flunk out of class, and you're yeah. screwed in that team. Or, you know, there's. I, I was also doing a lot of community work with the teams. Mm. So I got to know the student athletes really, really well. Mm. And um, lots of media relations back when there was a lot more media. <laughs> so we, we did everything. Mm. And um, nonstop creativity. Yeah. So I think even though that's very different than the visual side, yeah. And I was surrounded by really creative people. We would hire graphic designers that were usually students or recent alum. Video, same thing, students or recent alum. So lots of energy, Mm -hmm. lots of kind of fresh ideas that were around all the time. And being around a bunch of young student athletes, like it, there's, there's so much creativity that goes in with them. They've always got ideas and, and fun things that they want to do. So that I think helped. And I do have to say Sate, really embraced that I had this other side. Mm. Um, they, once people found out that I, I was an artist too, I thought again, they'd be like, Oh, Billy's so weird. Um, no, they thought that was pretty cool. And I mm-hmm. think it was because these athletes, student athletes, they might be in, you know, um, hospitality program or they might be in business or they might be whatever. And so the athlete side was kind of their side gig. Yep. So they had career aspirations, but they were also a basketball player or a soccer player or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think they they knew that it wasn't weird to have other things that gave you interest. Yeah. So it sort of felt like it fit in a bit more. And my bosses were fantastic. There was other departments. I was hired to do a project where they were in between branding. So I did this this artwork that ended up being hung up 
um, on Heritage Hall for a couple years. So there's a large piece and we made prints and the president still gives them out today to honorary degrees. And so huge encouragement Mm -hmm. by my state colleagues in different departments that, hey, this is pretty cool that you can do these things. So I, I felt like I could do it on the side and it wasn't, it was just complimenting everything that I was doing. And um, then loved my career there for a long time. Pandemic hits. Um, Right even before the pandemic, Jason and Kenny cuts come in too. And so if anybody knows post-secondary, there's a lot of cuts that happened and our department was one of them. So I moved over to a different department for about a year during work from home, trying to online teach my kids. a divorce mom now, so single mama. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this time, I'll also go back, I guess one of the things that, that was also important to me was, um, so during the pandemic, I, I didn't fare well, let's just say that. And why this is important is back in about 2008, um, I had a, a kind of a, a, a I can look at life as like things were pretty easy before that. Mm. And then 2008, just a rush of kind of really not awesome things happened. Mm. Life kind of hitting me in the face. Um, my closest, one of my closest friends, Amber, she passed away in um, what was known as the Dalhousie murders. Anybody who's from Calgary would know that was um, Joshua Lal had um, killed his family and except for his baby and also Amber. She lived in the basement suite. Um, Amber was one of my closest friends, my my husband at the time, and we used to spend all our time with Chris and Amber. They mm. were a couple friends. They were going through a, a separation at the time, so she had moved into a basement suite, and she um, died in that tragedy. So that happened, and the next day, I found out that my mom was terminal with her mm. cancer. So within like yeah. 12 Less than 24 hours, my world kind of wasn't so simple anymore. Um, Then I became pregnant with our first daughter. And within, mom was supposed to be okay. They said, you might have a year. She was gone in in less than six months. Um, So that was pretty quick. Um, My daughter was born when my mom wasn't around. And that's, for anybody who's had a situation like that, it's not easy. Mm. And... I had a bit of postpartum depression, but undiagnosed, because I was also, even before, that was really kind of something, if you're not drowning your kid, you're okay, sort of. It was, um, so stigma around, that was huge for me. And not so much even the mental health side of mental illness, but more of like, you can really be languishing with your mental health when things are happening. So say somebody has a breakup or they lose a business or they get laid off or money problems or health problems like disability, whatever. You might not have an actual mental illness, a diagnosed one, but your mental health can be so poor that it can be in a dangerous state. So I went through that, um, knowing that that was going on and then at SAIT, working with the community and students when the Brentwood murders happened, which was another tragedy, I was having a conversation with one of my colleagues and we were discussing this and she didn't know that I had lost my friend in a tragedy like that. Mm. And the conversation ended up going into mental health 
and how the people left behind sometimes are the ones that get forgotten. And we don't really talk about mental health or, you know, people around for a month but you don't really talk about things later on and there isn't supports for people down the road. Mm-hmm. So it was like summertime and summertime in sports is like, or springtime, I guess it was right around. Um, yeah, it was, but it was springtime. And so we weren't very busy. Yeah. So my colleague and I, we chatted for about an hour and a half, two hours. And we're like, you know what? I wonder if the athletes go through this too. And then we're like, well, of course they do. They're, you know, we put them on a pedestal. They have to practice five times a week, mm-hmm. travel all across the province and expected to get a 4.0 grade mm-hmm. point average. Of course, they're probably going through stuff yep. that we don't talk about. So we made a program. We just put together. We're like, there's nothing happening right now. And we created a program called Make Some Noise for Mental Health. And it was a program that we ended up doing across all the Alberta College of Athletic Conference teams that year. And it was just about awareness, mm. mental health, it's okay to not be okay. What kind of resources are on campus? Just really starting conversations. And we started at games. Um, It still is going on now. It went across all the Canadian colleges over um, while I was still there. Mm. And why I bring this up is since then I have become a mental health advocate and a lot of athletes would come to me and we'd actually go to schools and and do presentations for students. And I was always the, it's okay to be okay. Well, pandemic hits and I'm not okay. And I found it really, really hard. Mm. Even though I'd been preaching that for like years that it's okay to not be okay. I found it really hard and I actually went on stress leave. Mm. Hadn't been painting for a long time. Went on stress leave and decided that I would go back to work and see how it goes. I got a little bit healthier, fantastic doctors, fantastic psychologists helping me along the way, fantastic support at SAID even too, Um, but I was not well. Um, And really, really hard to admit that. Mm. Ended up going back to work and realizing that this just wasn't working anymore. Did the plan, has my emergency savings, has all this stuff, am I gonna be okay? And thought, you know what, if I'm gonna do anything at all, like having a bit of an existential crisis. How about I try the art for a bit? It's the only thing that keeps me kind of happy. Mm -hmm. I stay focused. I'm not on 25 Zoom meetings a day. I'm not, you know, all over the place. And I thought, you know what, how about I maybe try this for a little while, leave my pension, leave all this stuff, um, and try this out and see, I've been painting for 15, at the time, 13 years. How would I maybe see if I can do this for a little while? And Mm -hmm. if not, I'll find another job. Mm -hmm. We always do. So a lot of people thought I was a little bit off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, A lot of people scared for me. Even my dad said, Billy Ray, this isn't, you know, art isn't a way to make a living. Mm -hmm. He's come around now, but it was the best decision I ever made. My mental health is, I'm myself again. Mm. It's been two years since I've been full-time doing art and it's possible you can make a living through art. Mm -hmm. And I didn't just wake up and was like, I'm gonna be an artist. I had been building this career, these clients, these connections for 13 years. And it was the best thing for my kids I looked at them and, and was like, if I'm telling them that they can 
do anything in life, I need to be able to at least show them, even if it fails and I have to go get another job or other income, I don't think that's failure though still. I think I tried it. And um, that was the most important thing to me was to give myself kind of a shot at it. So many people thought it was a dumb idea or that I was being overly brave or not cautious. Mm -hmm. And I proved them wrong. And I still am proving them wrong because mm-hmm. I've been able to get opportunities that I wouldn't have been able to do if I was painting on the weekends yeah. or on the side. Yeah. And it's okay that I had to leave a career that I loved for a long time mm-hmm. when it became where it wasn't something that I loved anymore. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's a lot, Jeff. No, it's like <laughs> okay. my head, my head, my, head <laughs> my head's just like, <laughs> so anyways, uh, I'm with you. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm with you all the way through this. Um, what I find really interesting is the, when you start that program, the yep. mental health, and you're able, you're, you're bringing awareness to it. You're talking to people. People are, kind of, they're, I'm sure, coming to you and talking to you, and they're not maybe like asking for help. They're just like starting the conversation with somebody like you that's open yep. to it. And then when you get in the thralls of a situation, why do you think that it's so hard? This isn't just you. Why is it so hard to actually like start it? Why is it, you know, now when you know reverse it all, and now you're the person that's struggling. Why is it? so difficult to actually get that conversation started? I think it is because there, so we use the word stigma, but I think it, it, it's back to kind of how as I was explaining that you, you don't need to have a mental illness to be suicidal mm. or to um, be really can't get out of bed yep. or can't function, yep. that your mental health can deteriorate so badly but because you maybe don't have the diagnosis, it actually can be worse. So if somebody says, I have bipolar or I have schizophrenia or whatever, I'm on medication. Yep. People go, okay, how can we support you? Yep. But if, if you're just like, I can't handle this, can't, I'm in full out it. burnout. And yep. that's what ended up, my diagnosis ended up being, I was in full out burnout. Mm. But really burnout, people are like, oh, just go get some sleep or, you know, Oh, go get a pedicure. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, it isn't always because I wasn't diagnosed with some severe mental illness. Mm. I think it makes it really hard for you to, for at least for me to admit that I was not well, yeah. like that I was, I, and I remember I would like wake up at three in the morning and I couldn't get back to sleep. And so I was barely sleeping mm. and I, I eating from binge to, you know, thankfully I didn't have issues and addiction or anything. Um, but I wasn't like, I feel bad for my kids because I, I tried my best and they're trying to go through this pandemic Mm. from home and then back at school. And I, Mm. I just, it wasn't really even the job. It was just too much at once of everything. And I think it's hard because then you feel weak and you feel like you're failing and you feel like you're not enough. And then all these negative thoughts keep going in. So I think when, and that's, where I, I'm really big on the awareness of it because we need to talk about it when it's at that stage because yeah. then it can get into the really bad anxiety and the really bad depression. Mm-hmm. So, but even though I've been preaching it, it was really hard to mm-hmm. say that it was just too much. Yeah. And I think the other part for me during the pandemic is everybody was going through it. So it was different than say when Amber and my mom were sick because it was just our family and our friends that were dealing with that and everybody else had their own kind of lives. Mm -hmm. But with the pandemic, every single person. So I couldn't be like, oh, this pandemic is really hard on me 
everybody was going through it in Some, their own way. Yeah. And so it was hard to kind of rely on other people or mm. to ask for help aside from professional help mm. because everybody was going through it themselves. So yeah. I think that's where it made it harder. Mm. And even now is still hard because ev- we're all still sharing yeah. those issues. Mm-hmm. What's interesting with having this conversation is sometimes these conversations don't see the light of day. I know. And that's why I feel open talking about it because my mom also struggled with anxiety and depression through her life. Mm. And so I, I kind of was aware of it yep. and I, I don't feel uncomfortable by it. She was uncomfortable by it and would kind of not put herself out there as much. And yep. later in her life, and unfortunately mom did pass. And so she was just starting to kind of get comfortable in her own skin mm. when she was, but I, um, you know, and, and again, my mom wasn't at a level where it was something that would um, take down her life, but yeah. she would maybe like just be shyer with certain yeah. situations. She was the worry wart. Like I had to check in with her all the time. Like mm-hmm. she would have me on a tracking device if she was still around now. Like there, it was, it was just, oh, Lucy's wondering where Billy Ray is. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like it was, it was just, she was the worry wart yeah. um, was how she was kind of classified. And now I think uh, it's important for us to talk about because again, it isn't just about mental illness. That's its own, its own beast. Mm. It's that we can have a great life and still be struggling yeah. in some sort of way. And how do we have those conversations and how do we support each other? Mm. Well said. Um, the art piece. Yes. When you kind of, you know, you're in a, uh, sounds like a dark time. Yep. Um, go all in on this idea that's uh, abstract to most because it's art. There's no real set path. There's, you have dependence, but like there's a lot of reasons not to do it. You have a body of work and a lifetime of work behind you to actually like take a swing at it, which some people might not understand. So when you get going, does it, what happens? Because here's, sorry, before you go. Please. Because you and I, like I said, if we've been connected for a year and a half, if you've started this four years, three years ago, so whenever I, whenever we got connected, it was pretty fresh. Yeah, it was fresh. pretty new for full time. And now what you're up to is like, what you've been accomplishing is insane. So it's been a quick ride. But anyways, go back to what that start felt like and the, what's, what's been happening. The start was really about the mental health, really. <clears throat> um, why art was the antidote for what I was going through was it was about focus. Like when I'm in the studio that's all I'm doing. I might mm. be listening to your podcast or some music or, you know, maybe an audiobook. Yep. but really I'm focused on picking colors and making choices constantly, but it is on just that piece. And when it's paint, especially if I mess up, I can paint over it again. Like it doesn't feel mm. like it's the end of the world. Whereas for a while there, everything seemed urgent yep. at work, you know, I'd have a WhatsApp message going and three Zoom meeting requests and never time to finish. Like it just seemed like there was constant need for things to get done. And I just couldn't make it all happen. Whereas when I'm in the studio, it's totally just about the painting. And there's such a release that happens with that. It can kind of feel a little bit tiring because there's so much still mental of like Mm -hmm. the choices you do. For me, it was like I need to simplify my life again and create some more work 
um, I've been able to sell these works throughout the whole time. I've been mm-hmm. selling work anyway. Just so randomly, somebody, yeah, somebody yeah. sees something. Yeah, or, and I'd have shows, and I, mm-hmm. I, I skipped over one of the big things that happened back in 2014. I was asked by Foreign Affairs Canada to give some designs, and they put them into, they made them into a carpet that is in Canada House in London, England. So that was a highlight. So I've had some, yeah. and the, the Queen walked on it. Like there's been some cool things in that side gig Mm -hmm. that I had along the way that was like, okay, maybe I could do okay in this. And really just, it was about the focus of feeling okay. And then once when I started feeling okay and kind of putting it out there that, Hey, I'm working on this full time now, things just started falling into my lap. Like it was this opportunity here. I had a gallery in Montreal contact me. Hey, we like your work. Would you like to do this? Hey, there's this project that we would like to do for this corporate client. Would you be available? They wouldn't have contacted me if I was just still doing it on the side, but mm-hmm. they knew I had the time to focus on it, mm-hmm. that I could do it. Um, clients coming my way. Also, the pandemic was really good time for artists. Yeah. People were looking at them online. People were upgrading their art in their house or in their office because mm-hmm. that's where they spent 99% of their time. Yep. So that was actually a really, really good time to be an artist. Huge connections worldwide. Um, people all over the world connecting with you because they could through mm-hmm. Zoom and through Instagram. And so all of that kind of like happened together where mm-hmm. it just helped. Um, my background in being resourceful for these sports teams where we had very mm-hmm. little budget and I think that was super key. So. I wouldn't have been able to do any of this 20 years ago. Yeah. It was the 20 years of yeah. sales experience, communications experience, being resourceful with budget, yeah. um, all of that stuff. That community. I, community, huge. Like the connections from all those places I've told you I've worked at. I'm still mm-hmm. friends with many of them. Mm-hmm. Lots of people at SAIT that I, I talk to regularly. One of my best friends is from SAIT. So there's all these people that like they had my back. Yeah. And they wanted me to succeed too. They maybe weren't sure I could make it happen, but they they want you to succeed. Um, so yeah, opportunities just came my way. I got a, a mural with Bump. Um, it was a mural project, which I didn't think I was going to do murals. I just found I was like open to things. I had the time mm. to do it aside from being mom. Yeah. Um, I had, I could do two weeks on a mural. Whereas I couldn't do that before. Yeah. I would have had to take two weeks of holidays yeah to do that. So all these really kind of cool things that I was like, yeah, sure. I'll try this. Yeah. This sounds great. Um, and with being able to then start to work with galleries, I never worked with art galleries before because I could never provide enough inventory to them Mm. to really make any money for them. Mm. So now I can do those sort of relationships. I can still work with my own clients. I can, put my work in auctions. I can do things that I was never had time for before. Social media, website, I have time for that now. Um, It's still busy, but I was able to just shift in and dive right in. And so I think that's where a lot of the successes come in is I could use that background that I had Mm -hmm. and shift that experience into, okay, now how do I market Billy Ray Busby? You know, like it it felt Mm -hmm. like I can just put that in there. What's very interesting is <clears throat> whether it's artists or people that want to start their own business, some, sometimes they just think they can have the idea and go, which sometimes I feel like that works sometimes. Your example is like 
20 years of experiences. Yeah. And when you look at them just like one off, they're kind of random. They don't make a lot of sense. You put them all together and now you're this, uh, you have all these skills to do your own thing. Yeah. And for me, the, my example is um, 20 years in the digital industry, a bunch of different experiences, and then I decide to start my own business and I can do it. And I think that conversation, I find that fascinating because I think there's, whether it's the quick win or the instant gratification kind of commentary that's happening, you know, people just have an idea and when it doesn't work, they're so surprised. They're like, well, what's the problem? Like, why is this artist, why is this business person making it work? But there's years behind these exactly. ideas. And even if you don't have the years, working with people who have the years. Yeah. So having a good accountant, having somebody, yeah. having a good gallery that you are, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find though, when I tell people in the art side about my path, you know, usually the path for an artist is you go to art school, you graduate, yeah. hopefully a gallery picks you up. Yeah. Um, and then you go from there. Yeah. That's kind of the work in restaurants, bars. Yeah, exactly. Totally. All, all the cliches, Abs- right? Yeah. That, yeah. and that has been successful path for a lot of artists. Yeah wasn't for me because I didn't really have that voice early on. Like I, again, I could draw really well, mm. um, can only draw hockey players so many times. Mm. Um, I could, I wanted to learn more about things, but then I, I, it just wasn't really, I didn't have that 21 year old yeah. artistic epiphany. Like I did when I told you about when we were driving down the highway, oh, yeah. I didn't have that. Yeah. So there wasn't, nobody was going to pick me up because mm. I didn't have anything that I was saying at mm. the time. And so my path has taken me, you know, to start in your mid forties mm. as a, a full-time artist, as a female, sing, like <laughs> mostly single mom, like yeah. my, thankfully my ex-husband's in, in the picture as a yep. co-parent, but mostly single mom. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of, when I think about it, I'm like, am I delusional? <laughs> um, but I feel, feel so grateful that all these other things have come along the way. So maybe it looks a little bit different mm-hmm. than, you know, that art star. Which is awesome though, right? Yeah. And I, but back to the conversation about the athletes, things kind of happen differently. There isn't an exact yep. formula. Yep. And I think people with social media and with the internet, people don't really care that I don't have, you know, my masters. They don't really care that I don't, mm. I didn't, go to 10 different schools along the way. They don't care that I have this particular gallery. If they like the artwork, they like the artwork. Mm -hmm. Maybe if I took that path, I'd have a different sort of art now. But the bottom line is I enjoy what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm healthy. I think my kids, my my 14-year-old told me that I was kind of cool the other day. Like that is... That's awkward. That's like, but that's like a big <laughs> I know, deal. I know. I like, cause I was joking. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of a cool mom. She's like, yeah, you kind of are a cool mom. I was like, what? So. Okay. Don't like, overreact to that. Yeah. One. I know that that was yeah, probably yeah. like five minutes, <laughs> yeah. but, but there's, I, I feel like I'm in a place that I f- can feel really grateful that mm. I get to do this for a living now. Mm. And I don't know Jeff, if I can do this forever. Like my goal is to yeah. continue to be an artist, but I also don't feel like I have that much pride that if I had to get another yeah. job or I had to do something else that that would be a problem. I think, I think what's fascinating is that once you're, once you find your community and you find your, your skill and your talent and your voice, I think then opportunities to start showing up because yeah. right now, like you're on the tools, you know, you're creating, you're creating, but I think what's going to be fascinating is that the more awareness that you build, there's just gonna be more opportunities. And whether that means like 
mentorship, whether that means hosting events, whatever it means, it's going to be this like next phase of what you're up to. Thanks. But to your point, I think without being in this full time, none of this happens. Yeah. And, and I, it, and it's with the full time, it's, it's also knowing this is a marathon. Yeah. And that's part of that kind of like mm. that sense of urgency that I used to feel with work. Yeah. I still feel urgency. Like I have a deadline. I have a solo show coming up and I've got a big mm. project. Like there's still urgency. Yeah. But it is also kind of in my control. If I put 10 paintings instead of 12, mm -hmm. that's yeah, yeah. kind of my own yep. thing to do. Like it, it's, I have to kind of check myself and give myself permission to go back to what's important and still being professional and still mm. fulfilling opportunities. But even with clients, if I have a commission client, I'm booking like yep. a year from now yeah. for a lot of them because yep. hopefully I can get it done sooner. Mm -hmm. But here's my situation. Yeah, I've got sure. these and people are like, yeah, we'll wait. Yeah. We have no problem with that. Great. And I feel like it's, it's just that ability to kind of just focus on what's important right now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, hopefully other opportunities will come my way that I wasn't even anticipating. They, they have already. They will. So I had, um, an opportunity last year with, I did a huge project, which was quite special and significant in the way of the amount of work. It was 16 paintings, for TC Energy for a new, they were renovating a floor that was gonna mm, be more of that? a communal floor. Yeah. And that never happens where it's like a living artist, mm -hmm. somewhat, you know, I'm not really emerging, but I'm not mid-career either. I'm yep. still more on the emerging side and female, um, not historical work mm -hmm. and commissioned specifically for that space. Mm -hmm. So that was huge. And I never, ever would have thought that the minute I decided that I mm -hmm. should try this, that something like that was yep. going to come my way. Yep. And just to know that there is even opportunities out there like that, which is rare, but because I wasn't expecting it, who else knows what else is going to be out there? As long For as sure. I keep painting, yep. I keep putting myself out there, and I keep trying to be professional yep. and and nurture those connections and relationships I already have with clients and, and other people in the art world, mm -hmm. I think you never know what's going to happen. Just a lot of good things. Yeah, I hope so. I think, I think the variable, too, is if you're a good person. I think there's so many, there's so many, <laughs> you always hear about um, either that, we don't always, you hear the successes and you hear the people that, did, that didn't work. And for some reason, the, the scenarios when it didn't work, it seems like they get, there's more air time around that. Mm. And, and for whatever, there's so many variables. It's like, when, you know, I say good human and I laugh, but that's such a basic barrier to entry. Like, you could be a total asshole and none of this works, right? Like Absolutely. There's, there's some basic things that have to happen to actually bring it all together. I do have a, a funny story about that where I had a, asshole? a client. <laughs> I won't talk about the assholes. I try okay. to avoid them as much as possible. So I, I did have a client, though, um, who they saw my work online or at a gallery or something. This is a handful of years ago and they wanted to buy a piece. And this was before I was, I was working with, um, where I was still mainly selling on my own. And they, my studio is in my basement, by the way. And, um, my dad, my soon to be 90 year old dad lives wow. with me and the girls. Um, so that's also part of it. Awesome. So I starting to do a bit of caregiving for my dad these mm. days, but, um, so dad was downstairs and it's just a humble little studio that I'm in right now, but they came over and I, you know, had coffee for them and I hadn't met them before and they bought a painting. Um, and 
in our conversation after while we were finalizing a few things, they're like, yeah, you know what? We really wanted to meet you because we bought a painting one time and we found out the person was a total asshole and we can't look at that painting and think Mm -hmm. of anything else other than that. Mm -hmm. And so we really like you and we like your work, but now that we know that we like you, we also feel comfortable in in having your piece up. I was like, I never had that experience before. I've Mm. never had anybody say that. You know, of Mm. course my friends might buy my art, but they're my friends. But to have a stranger explain that to me, I was like, okay, that does make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like you might not listen to some music or write, listen, read a book from somebody yeah. because you don't like who they are. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, this is something for me to mm-hmm. have a little mental note on. Well, I think, I think it hopefully inspires you to continue to have a voice and whatever that voice is in different areas and just like do you over and over. And I think that just allows people to really fully understand you. Thanks. Yeah. Well, and that's where I don't know where things I miss kind of working in sport a bit. So I don't know where that will take me down the road or if they'll even be, or if that path is done. Or if I think it's mental health, there might be something. I don't know. I, it's all of it. Yeah, right now I'm, I'm happy to focus on my kids and my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, dad just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's too. So mm-hmm. we're kind of, I'm in a season where mental health advocacy is in our house yeah. <laughs> and just trying to have where we're all taking care of each other yeah. and sustaining this business that I've got and sort of that balance between my my insane ambition Mm. and the reality of of picking up the kids and you know making supper for dad and that Mm. kind of thing where does that all fit in and knowing that it's also none of it's going to be forever and enjoying how that where that's taking me amazing uh this has been so cool thank you jeff it's been so cool because like i've said it twice now but just how we caught up recently so all of a sudden something shows up, you're like, wow, where does this come from? And like, and just to watch, you know, watch all the stories you're sharing. So for me to actually like sit across from you and hear it all, I'm just like, never would I have guessed any of this was your path. Thanks. Which is, and that's what, that's why this scenario is so unique, right? I think it's, 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 a, it's really cool for me to hear these kind of stories. And it's, it's weird to share it though. Cause mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. also have had friends and colleagues along the way that don't probably know yeah. things along there. And I, I, I feel sort of strange sharing it all. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I'm like, I am getting old. I've had a lot of things happen in my life that I probably didn't even realize were impactful. So so me also sharing with you has also helped me kind of connect some dots too. Mm -hmm. So thank you. It's really cool. Um, I end the show with one question. When I say Calgary, where does your head go? 100% it's entrepreneurial spirit. It's back to those examples of the mercury to, um, you know, you look at m- some of the fun areas in the city, still the downtown Inglewood, Kensington, mm-hmm. um, wanting to support them. I, um, one of the, the quick things to share too is, is my family has pioneer history here. My great grandfather, Angus Charles was Sparrow. That's actually my, my maiden name is Sparrow is, um, was, a came here in 1881. He was mm-hmm. an original, rancher here. His area was where the Manchester and Alboya, that's where our farm was. Mm. So, um, but his half brother had the first butcher shop here in Calgary. And my, trying to get the history, but like my great aunt, she was the first 
female in insurance saleswoman here. Mm -hmm. And my Aunt Hattie was the second white woman born here. So mm. I look at all this kind of entrepreneurial spirit has mm. is what Calgary is all about. Yeah. And having those connections, having um, where that, I know that that's where it all started from too. Mm -hmm. It's it's really, I think, wonderful how Calgary is still growing. And I hope that we can kind of get back to supporting each other in those small businesses. Yeah. And even the big ones, you know, like look at the oil and gas, they all started as yeah. entrepreneurial ideas as, at one point too. So is there new entrepreneurial, whether it's, it's new things in energy, is there, um, new technology? Is there other sort of ways, even your business, like how can we support that entrepreneurial spirit? Cause mm -hmm. I think that is something that stands out with Calgary versus other cities across this, this nation. Awesome. I agree with you, by the way. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. I cannot wait to see, watch your career continue to grow and, and just to check out all your cool pieces. Cause they always, I, I'm not bullshitting you cause you're sitting across <laughs> from me. Every time you post something I'm like, those colors work together and it's just like <laughs> always blows my mind so thank you jeff well i'll invite you to the next art show i have here i'd love to come be great okay thank you thank you